This is the Wellsprings Word. Hey everybody, back with you. I uh, want to share scripture with you and then we're going to talk for a minute, keep talking about revival a little bit. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 1 says, Oh, that you would burst forth from the heavens and come down. How the mountains would quake in your presence. As fire causes wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. Then your enemies would learn the reason for your fame. When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our expectations. And oh, how the mountains quaked. For since the world began, no ear has heard No eye has seen a God like you, who works for those who wait for him. It's such an awesome word, man. I just love that. I love those verses. Um, I share it with you because I'm going to talk to you. We're going to flash back to some stuff that maybe you've heard about. Maybe you got to be there too. And it's really not just for the purposes of nostalgia. I, I feel a purpose in my heart in doing this, and so it's not just me um, looking back at the good old days, as they say, Um, and it's not even me endorsing anything. It's really just me reflecting and sharing a witness, if you will, with some of you about some of these things. Revival is a big topic right now. Lots of people are talking about revival and what happens in Asbury and It's spreading around to various college campuses, various chapels. There's beginning to be testimonies of just increased uh, fervor and presence of God and moving of the Holy Spirit and all of that at some churches around the country right now as some different things are breaking out and stirring up. I mean, it's it's exciting. It's it's great, man. There's so much. There's been so much decline. And there was so much war against the church um, all during the the COVID thing. And I'm I'm not trying to I'm not getting into politics or trying to make that into some kind of conspiracy theory or any of that. But we just know that the the enemy definitely was taking advantage of the situation and most churches um, you know declined during COVID, the vast majority. Um, there was just all kinds of an impact to all of that. And so it's just awesome after something like that to just hear of, you know, a fire of God burning some stuff again, the fire of God boiling some water again, if we were going to use Isaiah's wording there. And so, um, but what I wanted to talk about a little bit, because it's ancient history almost to everybody these days, it seems like, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Pensacola Revival. The Brownsville Revival is what it came to be called um, because the church was the Brownsville Assembly of God Church in Pensacola, Florida. Um, It was just an enormous revival, a great amount of impact, especially in that area. Um, Father's Day of 1995, an evangelist named Steve Hill was there preaching um, I've, I've watched the video many times looking for the clues, and there really isn't any. Brownsville is a, 
in the first video, Brownsville is a very um, almost sedated-looking church. I mean, granted, it's Father's Day, so maybe there was some of that, you know, family holiday vibe in there. But, I mean, Steve Hill just preaches his guts out, and it really doesn't look like anything really happens from that. I mean, he's like a live wire walking back and forth and preaching, and then it really kind of looks like it's kind of not really impacting much of anything. And he gave a salvation altar call, and one or two people came, and then he gave an altar call for prayer, and uh, hundreds of people responded to that. Their appetite kind of came up, and I mean, what what happened next has been told and retold. I, I wasn't there for that. Um, I've watched it. I wasn't there. But basically, the Holy Spirit broke out, and a whole bunch of people, you know, hundreds of people just were impacted mightily by the Spirit of God over the next few hours. And so Evangelist Hill, they asked the people if they wanted to keep coming to church, and he stayed. And so basically for the next five years, um, Brownsville had revival services, you know, five, six nights a week. Um, before it was over, people came from all around the world. Hundreds of thousands made decisions for Christ. Um, millions literally visited and took part in it. Um, it just was a, it was just a massive, awesome outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and the truth of God was preached. I mean, that's one of the things about Brownsville that was so significant is, I mean, Steve Hill was a hard-charging dude when it came to just preaching the gospel. Jesus was held out every single night as the only way for men to be saved, and he preached with passion and fire and every night, at least dozens came, and some nights, hundreds would come forward and accept the invitation for salvation. It was, it was a powerful time. There's various people uploading videos on YouTube and and stuff. I've noticed more of that the last couple of years. Even people have been, I think, putting their videos that they had. Um, one little known thing that went on a lot. Um, now, keep in mind, this is 1995, so local churches having television ministry was not nearly as common as it is now, but Brownsville did have a television ministry. Um, I believe their show was called In Times Like These, and um, the result of that was this incredible video record of that revival. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of services on video that you can just watch. Now, the interesting thing about that, and I'm going to get into this in a minute as far as the difference between watching and going. I've watched the videos and they're very they're fun for me to watch because they're connected to a memory for me in all of that. Um, video is a funny thing though because I, I hear a lot of people talking about all the anointing of God that can be uh, still carried via the airwaves and via video. And I'm not suggesting that God can't do what he wants where he wants, and that's fine. But I just will tell you that as somebody that made, I think I made about 50 or 51 um, services that I attended at Brownsville over that five-year period, um, there's no comparison, man, to being in a place that God is moving versus watching 
God, you know, watching God moving in a place on video. So people that like to stay home, like it's all the fine, it's all the same because I can just watch church from home. I can guarantee you for simply observable facts, man, it is not the same to watch something on video. But I wanted to talk a little bit just kind of as a, I imagine this will just be a part one because I don't want to ramble on and on about it, but it's something interesting. So Brownsville occurred before social media. You know, if you think about how quickly we were all finding out about Asbury, it's because of cell phones and every cell phone having a camera and every cell phone with a camera being connected to the internet. That's why we all knew about it so quickly. Brownsville broke out 1995 before internet and social media was a was a thing at all. I mean, internet obviously was a thing in 95, but not anything like it is now, and social media was not um, in existence at that time. So we lived in Jacksonville, Florida, and attended an Assembly of God church there. And so Jacksonville by cars, you know, five or six hours from Pensacola. And so it's funny looking back at how slowly, really, word got out about what was going on. So for the first few months, which, I mean, it's just funny to even say that now that we can know there was a revival in Asbury by the next day anywhere in the country now because of the interconnected nature. But at that time, the word was trickling out. So for the first few weeks and months of the Brownsville revival, it was really only the church and local people that knew about it. And little by little, outsiders were hearing about it. My pastor was a great man. He had a, he had experienced uh, the moving of the Holy Spirit. He had seen miracles and all that stuff. He was just a classic, solid dude, man, just in the Word, classic Pentecostal brother. And I still remember when he started, you know, talking about what he was hearing was going on in Brownsville. And I remember when he decided to go. Him and a pastor friend got in their car, and they took three or four days, I think it was, off, and they drove over, and they were going to go see what what is going on in Brownsville. And the funny th- it's so funny, the time jumps, because this was before cell phones. So I still remember him calling to the church, um, <laughs> calling to the church from the hotel on the landline, and I happened to be at the church volunteering, doing some stuff. And I still remember him talking to his wife on the phone and hearing them over, you know, chatting about what was going on in Brownsville. And uh, it just seems so funny. It's practically like, you know, waiting on a letter from the Pony Express compared to how information passes now. So I asked if I could talk to him. I get on this landline phone with my pastor. And all he said to me on the phone was, man, this is real. And I know I'm not a dramatic person, okay, and I don't try to drum stuff up, build it up. But I'm telling you, there was even something in his voice when he said, this is real, that just captured something in my heart. I mean, I just there was something in his voice. There was just a, a, a tangible something in his heart was jumping when he said it. So anyways, he came back, and he brought um, two... Chord sheets. Now, if you don't do worship music, you may not know what that is, but it's the super simplified version of how to play a song 
because rather than having notes and a, and a, and a, and a score on it of musical notes, it just has the chords over the words. Well, this was even sort of a new thing in, in 95. And so he brought home two chord sheets for the worship team, two songs that he heard at the revival. 1995, he brings In the Secret, which was a song by Andy Park, I believe. He brings that, and he brought the chord sheet for um, I See the Lord which I think is a, uh, a Andy Parker, a Danny Daniels. I'm not, I'm trying to remember who wrote that. So apologies there. But anyways, um, so that was even the first, there's so many firsts in this, man. That was the first of us hearing about Vineyard. The Vineyard um, has been a massive influence on my life since. But it's funny to look back and realize that that was the first clue I even had that the Vineyard movement was even a thing was looking at the bottom of these chord sheets, and it says, you know, Vineyard Worship or whatever at the bottom. And these songs, you know, again, if you're newer, none of this will make much of an impact on you maybe because it's so normal now. But in 1995, the songs weren't personal mostly. They weren't to the Lord personally. They were almost always third person, like about the Lord. God is great. The Lord is good you know, blessing and honor to the Ancient of Days. It was all very third person. Some of it was fantastic music, but it wasn't personal. And I still can remember like it was yesterday how my heart was just grabbed and captured, man, when she at the piano began to sing that In the Secret. So familiar now, the whole world has heard the song since, and and now it's even considered kind of like a classic, you know, like it's older but when she began to sing those words, I want to know you, I want to hear your voice, I want to know you more, I want to touch you, I want to see your face, I want to know you more. And it was right to the Lord, you, God, you are the one I'm singing to, you're the one I'm longing for, you're the one I want to know more. Man, I still remember the impact of learning to worship first person and learning to sing songs that were from the heart and to the Lord rather than just about him. I mean, what a revolutionary thing. And I mean, honestly, now that's so normal that, you know, if you're newer, like I said, that's that doesn't even make sense to you that that's an observation. But those of us that are a little bit older um, recognize some of that. So we began to sing the songs. We could see the difference in the pastor, and so the next idea was the youth pastor and I were like, okay, we're going to go check it out too. So we took a couple days off. We drove on a Thursday. Uh, we went to the Brownsville Revival for the first time on a Thursday night. And, um, and so what I think I want to do is save. So bookmark that. Part two... I'll start talking about the amazing things that the Lord did um, on our first visit to the Brownsville Revival. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bookmark that and get to that on the next one because I don't want these to be too long. I, I want to say something about this idea of pilgrimage. So I said last time, last session, talking about Asbury, that what immediately happens is people say, I need to go there. 
I'm going to go to where the revival's happening. And I clearly said last time, I think some of that is so unnecessary because God is everywhere. His spirit is everywhere. His word is true everywhere. So I believe his design when he pours out in a place is to create an appetite in us for an outpouring of the Lord in our place. So I don't think his actual intention is just that the whole world goes to Asbury, rejoices in what's happening in Asbury, and then goes home and says, oh man, wasn't that great? And all of a sudden a revival becomes like a vacation spot, like, hey, I went there and I also went to Tahiti or whatever. I don't think that's the purpose. But what ends up happening is, if you have no point of reference for what's happening and you're hungry enough, then you will make pilgrimage. And that's that's what that is, to launch out and say, hey, I'm going to Asbury or I'm going to, you know, wherever. Um, back in the 90s, it was, you know, the, the hot kind of buzzword places were Brownsville and Toronto, up at the Toronto Airport Vineyard. And then a couple years in, 96, there was a move at a little church in Missouri at the Smithton Community Church in Smithton, Missouri. That kind of became a, a place people wanted to go. Pilgrimage became more and more of a thing because the idea was, I don't see the Lord moving like that here, and I want to experience that. I want to know about that for myself, and so people would go. And like I said, um, Jacksonville was was five hours drive from uh, from Brownsville, and so over the course of the five years of the revival, um, I made that drive, oftentimes taking guys with me um, from the Navy. I was in the Navy at that time, and oftentimes I was taking guys with me who needed Christ, and we would drive over there. And, you know, I'm I'm older now, I'm more mature now, and I get that. And so I understand if when you hear that, the analytical argument becomes, well, okay, but theologically, your friends could have come to Christ right where you were. True. The Holy Spirit could have been doing at your church everything he was doing in Brownsville. True. Everything that God was doing there, he could have just as easily done where you were. True. Theologically and biblically, friend, I'm not even debating that. That is all theologically true. And then here's the thing. All of that is theologically true, and yet in a practical application sense, my friends would come to my church and not be moved by it. My friends would come to my church and not be impacted by the presence and the power and the glory of God. My friends would come to my church and kind of sit and listen to the sermon and walk away the same. And yet where the Holy Spirit was pouring out, where God's presence was on display, I could haul different friends or same friends sometimes, drive the six hours, go into the Brownsville Revival, and watch the Holy Spirit land on them in loving but amazing power and watch them melt and watch their resistances be swallowed up and watch them repent of their sin and the presence of God be impacted massively by the presence of God and go down the road different. So I get that the theological argument is there's no difference between one place and another. I get that. 
I'm not even arguing that. But what I'm saying happens in a revival atmosphere. And I think sometimes the Lord does it just to frustrate people who are arguing with him about what he can and cannot do, is that there is no getting around the fact that there will be a difference one place to the next. There is just a difference. Um, God was moving in Brownsville, and there was a difference. You could be 15 minutes away and it'd be one way, and then if you were there, where God was moving, it was different. Now, please understand, once the fire of God had hit me, and I had tasted that and experienced that, I absolutely took that fire with me when I left there. So yes, I left the revival different, and I give God praise because it changed everything about my understanding, at least of the realities of what I was reading about, to read that passage from Isaiah and have it say, you know, when you came down, you made the water boil. When you came down, the mountains were shaking. That all sounds like a theory until you have an encounter with the presence and the glory of God, and you feel it boiling your insides and shaking everything you've been clinging to, and then you walk away different. That's, that's the thing. So there is just an experience element. I don't think we make our doctrine out of our experience. Absolutely not. But I am saying that there are places where God pours out his kingdom and his spirit and his glory. He chooses to do it. Everyone who hasn't been around it can argue that it's not what he does. And then the moment you're in it, you know this is exactly what he's doing. And he chose a place and a time to do it. And you end up making, sometimes you end up making pilgrimage. So don't be upset with anybody who made a pilgrimage to Asbury. Just It was just their appetite. It was just their hunger. It was just their curiosity. And God's not offended by any of that. I want to encourage you. I mean, yeah, man, if you hear about something good God is doing, there's not a lot of that these days, unfortunately. But if you're listening to this and you hear like, hey, it also broke out at a campus near my house or the Holy Spirit's moving. And, and again, you got to use some discernment because there's all kinds of kind of funny little charismatic churches that try to hype up and generate a move of the Spirit with lights and music and whatever. But the thing that we all noticed right away with Asbury was there was no lights and there was no smoke machines and there was no production, and yet people were just sitting there weeping and repenting of their sin, and that's a move of the Holy Spirit, man, every time. So if you hear about something like that that sounds genuine and awesome and you can get there and you've got the time, go ahead. Make a pilgrimage. Make a drive. Head on over. Grab some praying friends and say, hey, let's go check this out. If it's God, you'll be blessed. If something that's going on with it is not God, the Holy Spirit's able to give you discernment and protect you. You won't be damaged. Just go and see what the Lord is doing if you're, if you're hungry and you have an appetite. Nothing wrong with pilgrimage. But I want to suggest to you in closing out this first one, there's also a pilgrimage of the heart that we can make. There's a pilgrimage of the heart. And in fact, I, I just want you to, I know that sounds maybe a little bit funny to say a pilgrimage of the heart, but I think it's, it's worth pointing out um, because I believe James was talking about it. Um, I'm trying to, I, I don't want to get the reference wrong, so I'm looking it up real quick. Um, but 
James said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so I want us to think about that for a second, because that's not physical, that's a pilgrimage of the heart. So it's James chapter 4 and verse 8. I apologize, I I wanted to make sure I got that reference to you, because I want you to be able to look it up for yourself. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So so that journey is not a physical one, right? James is saying, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Well, God's it's that's not locational, that's a heart pilgrimage. And so what I want to suggest to you is if you're willing to drive to Asbury, Kentucky, don't do that if you're not willing to draw near to God just where you are with your own heart. You can make a pilgrimage. Pilgrimage just means to see where you are is not where you want to be, so you're going to take a walk to get to where you want to be. I mean, it's not a deep concept. So in closing this out, I just want to encourage you, man, if you want to have revival in your own life, make a pilgrimage of the heart. If you figure out you don't pray like you should, then make a walk, take a walk with God and get your prayer life back. If you know you're not in the Word like you should be, then take a walk with God and get your study life, your devotional life, back on track. If you know you're tolerating sin in your life that you used to feel bad about and now you're comfortable with it, make a pilgrimage. Draw near to God. Leave that junk behind and push back to a place where a holiness is burning in your heart again. Pilgrimage is great when you can do it. If you find out there's an outpouring down the street, fine. But long before you make a physical drive, and sometimes you can't even make a physical drive, you can draw near to God right where you are. That's heart pilgrimage, and it's a key to personal revival, even if you're not in a situation where you can drive over and find the latest corporate revival. I want to encourage you, be willing to make the journey in yourself. Heart pilgrimage, draw near to God. These are days when God is stirring, God is moving, and God is doing stuff. I feel led to tell some stories and put some history out there of things I've seen the Lord do, but I want to end this session talking about that. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. And you can have revival in you, burning bright, man. Maybe when it's not burning in your church at all, you can have a revived heart if you'll make a pilgrimage of heart and draw near to God. And so I want to encourage you to do that. I'll be back on the next little episode and talk about what the Lord did the first time I went to the Brownsville Revival, and and we'll just keep going from there and see how the Lord leads with this thing. But let me just encourage you, revival's a thing. It's coming back to life, and if you need that in your life, we can deal with stuff about where you go to church later, but if you need that in your life, Make a heart pilgrimage and draw near to God and let him draw near to you. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks again for stopping by. If you'd like any more info about us, feel free to swing by wellsprings.church. Have a blessed day.